0: Find their written and premium audio content at UTHDynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose.
1: Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now.
0: Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 300 premium podcasts in addition to this weekly free one on all your podcasting platforms, however you may find us, rate us, and review us. Much appreciated. Got Katie Flower in here, and uh, like minds, uh, think alike as well, because um, I usually put down a few bullet points here and there. Katie comes on, I really want to talk about Debbie, and I actually said, you know, most of the things I wrote down uh, exactly about Debbie. This is a common period. We we talk about it, you know, usually February, March is a time where a lot of those combined rookie Debbie drafts or were removed from the declarations and the announcements um, and uh, commitments from the incoming freshman class. So that's a common period to have some semblance of college drafting in your Devi or hybrid um, dynasty leagues. But also, once you get a few weeks removed, we know you know the famous Mel Kuyper and and other platforms do their 2021 big board or 2021 mock drafts. At this time of year, you get a little bit removed from the analysis, the recapping of the the current. Uh, NFL draft year. And here we sit. And and honestly, Katie, you know, it was this week where it's kind of dying down a lot of my rookie drafts. I know a ton of rookie drafts are still going on. Uh, But the point is a lot of the uh, acceleration, the on-ramp onto that freeway is already gone. That opening three to four weeks after the NFL draft is really the prime period. And that's why I always say that those first two to three days, getting as much good content and good advice as you can out there, because it's amazing, Katie, not even on my list, but it's amazing seeing some of the differences in rookie drafts today versus three weeks ago we see it every year um, we're going to talk some Devi, but just talk about the calendar uh, of devy leagues and or or devy players and devy analysis and, and how that may be different than in a dynasty league without that
1: yeah so Devi is uh just like dynasty it's an all-year thing and Certainly there's a lot of question marks this year going into the college football season. Will there be a college football season? It's different from the NFL where they can do it without fans in the stands. Um, I don't think that college football could take that kind of a hit. I don't know how it's going to affect the season, but certainly those are the kinds of things on your mind. If you're having a Debbie draft now and you know, you've got a player that really needs to break out this year choosing between them and maybe somebody that's already broken out and proven it to a certain point, it may be beneficial to err on the side of caution and and go with the guy that you have already seen him do it instead of taking a riskier pick that may, for whatever, you know, this season ends up being, it may be a full year before they actually step foot on a football field again.
0: Yeah, and it brings up the fact that, you know, they have to be three years removed from high school. So technically, whether they play or not this year, it's the, uh, the, the years, you know. So we may see um, for some of these players no additional data points, which is a, which is a very interesting and rare scenario and one that we can, you know, we'll probably look back in 5, 10, 20 years, if that were to occur, where we say, boy, remember the year of 2020, you know, remember how interesting that 2021 NFL draft was, um, where, you know, where signs are pointing to having an NFL season. And it's very much ambiguous or uh, definitely more pessimistic on a college season if you were to pit them against each other in terms of probabilities. Um, Katie, actually, uh, I I wanted to flip this up because my first question, um, I think it actually makes sense um, to pivot and, and talk about entering the Devi realm. So for folks that whether you play in one Dynasty League, whether you play in five redraft leagues, uh, but you enjoy listening to the long-term uh, prognostication and analysis that we do, you know, on on Devi, uh, on, excuse me, on Dynasty Podcast. But wherever you're starting and you are brand new, and you say, "I want to jump into a Devi League," I, I think the first thing to say is, "Where should I start as that person?" It's uh, it's not as common as a regular Dynasty League. If you're looking for it, I would say, you know, super reflexes becoming far more common, um, almost standardized at this point in 2020. Um, Two tight end is becoming a lot more mainstream than three to five years ago. I would say Devi is similar on the on the pie chart of how many people play, how many leagues are out there to IDP. Um, I play in more Devi than IDP. I would guess that you do as well. Um, but for someone that's looking to start a Devi league uh, or join one, where do you think in terms of there's a wide spectrum of depths um, and, and different settings? What would be maybe some of your recommendations or uh, pros and cons for some of the difference on that gradiated scale?
1: If you watch college football and you enjoy watching college football, Debbie is no different than fantasy football. The The beauty of it, the fun of it is discovering that new talent and Rather than just, there is more content out there now than ever before. When I first started in Devi in 2014, there was very little information out on different websites and Twitter, and now it's abundant, which is great. But the beauty of Devi is discovering those players as much for yourself. So even if you do take somebody else's rankings or somebody else's opinion, no matter the depth of your draft please put eyes on the players, watch some film, watch some cutups, watch the guy, make sure you like him, make sure he's somebody that, that you want to invest in. And whether it's homerism and you've got a favorite team and, and you just want to get, you know, Georgia Bulldogs or whatever on your team, that's fine. Everybody plays Debbie for a different reason. But when I first started, I jumped into a one- one Debbie per person and you could trade, right? So 12 total Debbie in the league, which is not very much. And I made the mistake of thinking that, oh, that's going to deplete the rookie draft by a lot. It really doesn't. Even with 12 Debbie players, the the thing that I've noticed, it's it's hard to hit. Even, even half the league is going to miss when you've got – 12 players and by miss I mean somebody that wouldn't be a first round pick like if you use a Devi pick and there's only one round and you end up getting a fifth round value out of it that's not a hit uh, you know a fifth round rookie because you could have just waited and got them as a rookie whenever but if you if you picked up a Nick Chubb or a DeAndre Swift when when they were still in college and they end up a first round rookie value, that's that's a win. Especially the later the later draft. So the first one I joined was just one player per person. The second one was a deep it was a triple flex. You could start three quarterbacks and it was deep, two hundred heavy players. And so I did both. I did I jumped into both early on and I don't look back and regret either one of them. I loved the immersion when you go into a deep Debbie draft, you have got to know guys that other people don't know. You have got to know profiles and looking for a particular type. And it makes it a lot more fun hitting on a guy that you got in the sixth round. Two years later, they're the number one overall pick or, or you know top five or whatever in a rookie draft. That is fun. What? Yeah. One thing... Well, yeah, I, I, and one more thing. And one thing that I've seen when new people get into Debbie, and I was this way a little bit myself, kind of naive, thinking that there isn't going to be any rookie talent because it's going to be Debbie depleted, even in that deep Debbie league. And this year is a good example. Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards Alaire are still one and two in rookie slash Debbie drafts because they slipped through the cracks. There's always players. Whether they're college players or rookies that slip through the cracks, and you can get them early on and and all the way through, I always talk about Steph Curry, take every pick seriously, don't trade away your picks um, thinking that they don't have any value. Every pick has value. And if you can turn... Well, you just
0: you just said Steph Curry. Just to, I mean, you, you've said it to, you can hit from anywhere. You can hit from you anywhere. Know, unlimited range is the reference, that you could hit from the sixth round just like he can hit from half court.
1: Yes, exactly. And if you take each pick methodically and you look at it, and, and Chad and I have this saying, when you're down to your final pick in the sixth round or fifth round or whatever the round is, ask yourself... What value will this guy have next year? Will I have to use a first-round pick on him? Could I get him in the third round of the Debbie draft? Do I need to pick him right now? If there's a tie between two players and one is somebody that's coming out sooner rather than later, but the other guy you really believe that they're going to rise up, and, and keep in mind that this year is completely different because we may not have a college season, so they, w- they won't have that chance to rise up. So if you're, if you're taking somebody in the final round that, that is more of a flyer type pick, ask yourself, what is their price going to be at this time next year before making that decision?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, again, shooting for shooting for the moon. You know, uh, late because there's going to be a lot of gravel on the side of the road. You know, that I, I think another part is if you hang your head and, and and aren't really entrenched in the probabilities and the way that these player values swing in rookie drafts. Devi Devi's even more extreme. You know that that you can hit on one hundred ones, future one hundred ones from deep in your draft, but you can also have guys on the side of the road that just you know by the time they get to the NFL or maybe don't even get there. Um, that you know, and obviously you're trying to eliminate that, but that is within the range of outcomes. And in rookie drafts, you don't really have that. You know, they are in the NFL. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the picks made in rookie drafts are guys in the NFL. Uh, you know, not CFL potential uh, uh, crossovers or or things like that or, or potentials to to be in the nfl um so so the uh the floor um that uh great that kind of keeps everything up to a certain level is gone i would say this that if you enjoy rookie draft season so if that's you know and, and again that's one of the staples of uth is is really diving in and, and and dominating that january through may time frame of building your team organically getting that taxi squad getting that um practice squad if you will of future talent for your team um, that that can rise up from your bench, rise up from your, your taxi squad into your, the limelight and your starting lineup and dominating players in the future. If you enjoy that half of the calendar – then imagine, because, Devi, you are looking at the entire landscape. I mean, rookie draft, you might be looking at, again, I go pretty deep. I'm looking at, you know, 100, 120 players at various points in the the calendar, and yet you're going to have, in your typical one, you really only need to have a gauge on 50 or 60 in a lot of rookie drafts. But imagine your world, your perspective, opening all the way up to the entire college and incoming freshman landscape hundreds of players, thousands of players, filtering it down, um, watching a number of players, uh, refining your process. Um, You get to look at different programs. So you're basically looking at three to four In a line, rookie drafts that have yet to occur, whether at this point 2021, 2022, et cetera, that you're kind of looking at those eligibility check marks and saying, you know, what does this look like? You know, that's why we talk about how does 2021 look? Well, that is a Debbie question. That is looking ahead beyond the current rookie class. And so, again, if you like diving in to the complete profile of an exiting college player. For entering NFL rookie, then you are a prime candidate for someone that should at least try and may really enjoy. And it's a rabbit hole you may not want to come back from. You know, you may look at a 25-man roster, one quarterback PPR league you joined seven years ago, and and say, boy, you know this is che- uh, checkers compared to now chess, where I'm playing super flex and two tight end, and you know there's there's 70 or 100 ID, uh, uh, Debbie players owned a- a- any given time in the league, um, again, that is something that... I started just like Katie said, you know, with with one there, you drafted one, every team had one Debbie right that you could draft. And I think it originally started, we've loosened that up since, but started with one, uh, it had to be a a one year out player. So, you know, in this year, for example, that would have been, you're drafting someone 2021 eligible. It doesn't mean they necessarily are coming out. Uh, Most of them did uh, in those two, three years before. Now we made it, you can draft one of any, you know, college player, any college eligible player um, as as that Devy aspect, but that expanded to I think you know joining leagues that had twenty. 20- 30 overall in a league of, of, of 12 uh, 12 teams and then it expands and eventually you try something deeper and say I want to go really deep you know of, of that could be a hundred 125 uh, a lot of them cap it at 200 because um, that's the number of created players um, that you can custom players that you can max out um, on my fantasy league which is uh, one of the software platforms where it's relatively easy to have a Devi league and I know Katie you have a workaround if you want to go beyond the 200 or you get into a situation where well well we've got 200 devi plus now we've got some uh, created players and um, some some players not in MFL that are being drafted as rookies you know you may go that deep as well so there there there's almost limitless is what I'll say if you're in a 200 uh, Debbie league then again you'll have you know, maybe 60, 70, something, you know, plus or minus 10 of a current rookie class. So that means the rest are still in college. And now your, your league's going to have fun drafting that many requisite uh, in the annual draft, uh, uh, Debbie players coming up in your annual draft. And I will say, um, I total I have some leagues that are both of these varieties, but I love, I absolutely love my favorite annual drafts are the ones where you have rookies and you have Devi and You have a Debbie limit, but a lot of these, you don't even get to that limit by the end of the draft, let's say if it's six, seven rounds um, annually, but you get all the leftover rookies, you get the entire available landscape of of players that aren't owned college-wise in your league, and it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. Because every owner can do whatever they want with each of the picks. There's not really this, uh, oh, you can only have six players on your taxi squad and then, and then it's a really shallow roster. So you can't really have, you know, more than seven or eight or nine Devi. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. You kind of want to open the woodshed and let people, uh, the, the floodgates and let people um, build their team as they see fit and use their roster spots um, in accordance to whatever that vision is. Um, but, those leagues uh, – one second, Katie. Those leagues where it's rookie, Devi, and I even have some that mix in IDP. The ones where it's the entire landscape uh, of players and possibilities at every pick are the ones that I truly enjoy the most.
1: Yeah, and uh, the cool thing that you mentioned, there's several different things, but when you have a devy slash rookie slash veteran draft, whatever is left on the waiver wire from over the winter – It makes the value of the picks so much better as opposed to having three rounds of Debbie and three rounds of rookie as separate drafts. Why not combine them? Let anybody take whoever they want at any time up to the league limit. Those to me are the most fun because my rule of thumb for that is if there's a rookie that was drafted in the NFL in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, I am not going to skip over them unless I don't believe in their talent. I'm not going to skip over them to take a Devi. And that's important because you have to keep things in perspective. Everybody likes a shiny new toy. There's nothing shinier than a Devi player. You know, you get the whole college landscape to pick from. It's exciting. It's fun. It's like, it, it it's, it's just so much everything that that it encompasses scouting and everything. But don't overlook those rookies uh, like the Brandon Iukes that went in round one of the NFL draft. That's saying something. You can only hope to hit on somebody in Debbie that's going to end up as a first-round NFL draft. That would be so cool. That would be perfect. But there's so many misses. The, the percentages, the way that I've run them and looked in the past, you've got a much better hit rate. On running backs than any other position. And in Superflex, quarterbacks still only about a 6% hit rate, which is very low. The way that I look at quarterbacks in Superflex now compared to six years ago when I first started is build that hopper, build that taxi squad, build that really good base first and then you can start taking chances. I look at taking premium positions during the startup draft, which means I want my quarterbacks on my team from the very beginning. I want tight ends on my team from the very beginning. Those are the two hardest positions to hit in Debbie. So therefore, make them your focus in the startup draft. And then wide receivers are about 23 percent. Running backs are about 35 percent. Therefore, you want to Take more shots at running back, especially those that are of the size and profile that you're looking for. You don't want a 175-pound speedster because chances are, by the time they make it to the NFL, they're 185 pounds soaking wet. That profile just doesn't. It, it's it's not the best. So, that being said, take every pick and and make the best shot that you can. It's so much fun. Do you remember who your first Debbie pick ever was?
0: Oh, man. That's a great question. I remember uh,
1: mine, and I want to see if you can guess mine.
0: No, I'm, I'm going to vamp okay. until until you tell, because I actually know the league that I can look it up, and oh, okay. uh, I only made one. So, uh, but I, I do think it hits, so go I'll ahead. I'll
1: give you a hint. My first Debbie league started in 2014, and I took a running back.
0: 2014 running back, I believe... Oh, is it? Is it Mr. Todd Gurley? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought it was a Georgia back. That was my uh, first
1: ever Debbie pick, and my second ever Debbie pick. Is
0: he a freshman? Was he a freshman? No, or he was. He was a junior. Sophomore. He was about ready
1: to come oh. out. So it was okay. 2014. He came out in 2015.
0: You guys were just starting at that point. It wasn't like it you was a brand new, right? League. It
1: was a brand new Devi league, and so it was in the startup draft. And I took him in the second round. Everybody was like, "Wow." You know, that's pretty ballsy. It's like, yeah, but... <laughs> you were sold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, he's coming out... Actually, I think it was... It was 2014. For, like, it was a Debbie draft in, in February, but they were coming out... I don't know. It wasn't a long period of time. So, I mean, it was still like he wasn't a sure thing for by any means uh Melvin Gordon was being talked about as the 101 uh, there were a lot of others but yeah Todd Gurley my number okay. my first. I was I was looking
0: in this I was looking in this league so I looked at 2016 and my Debbie pick was Cortland Sutton in 2016 now let me look at 2015 it looks like a, I was in the league in 2015 so made another Debbie pick and Hey, this one's I waited, waited. Oh no, no, that was a right end pick. Oh, it's so I will say it's difficult sometimes to track this stuff down. Oh, there we go. Uh 2015. Did I trade I might have traded my W away in 2015? Okay. Anyway, I'm more I'm working on it. It may be Cortland Sutton. Looking okay. at this list. It may be Cortland Sutton way back Call then. Anyway. But he was, uh, but yeah, he was top five. I remember, I remember back then, even already through one year or two years or whatever it was, he was already top 5% of the model. I remember that. Um, yeah. Um, Katie, I wanted to, let me see. Um, oh, what do you think the biggest, you kind of hit on a couple different points, but what do you think is the biggest mistake people make in their Debbie leagues?
1: I think the biggest mistake people make is twofold, either trading up in, in a Debbie draft, you don't need to expend any capital. If you don't get your guy, there's plenty of other guys that can be your guy. It's not yeah. worth it to trade up because of the high variance, the high variable. And it may save you from a mistake if you do get sniped on a particular guy. You don't know that. Um, I'll give you one example from my second year in Devi. I wanted Elijah Holifield thought that I may have to trade up for it and I started talking negotiations with the guy and it's a tight end premium league and I thought this is one of the ones that I read on my phone and I thought he had sent me the trade offer that I had sent him so I hit accept but it had Ladarius Green in there as it turns out Ladarius Green turned into nothing but so did Elijah Holafield. and the whole point is don't trade up In Debbie leagues, if anything, trade back and get more picks, get more capital because you want more shots. You want because the odds aren't all that great. You want as many shots as whatever your taxi squad can bear. If I've got a taxi squad with 15 players, by gosh, that's going to be a full taxi squad all the time. And people people discount the later rookie picks. And that's the other mistake that people make. Don't discount Debbie picks. I don't care but discount picks in general. Right. Yeah. A- exactly. I don't it, the the difference between a rookie six round pick and a Debbie six round pick is the rookie pool is finite. The college pool is not. And you can always find somebody that's worthy and valuable in that fifth or sixth round pick always so don't discount and don't trade future devy picks unless you're unless you're a strong team that continues to stay strong and once you get that that hopper of taxi squad feeding your team then you can start to trade some of your future picks and and
0: but still, but still, I really hate to do that because I, I, I hate, well, just in general, I'll, I'll, I'll say the, the danger of that is here's what you do. Number one, you allocate that roster spot earlier, whether it's a taxi squad spot. Now, if it's unlimited, but if you have a finite where you're like, uh, I'm only gonna have three, four players of a 10 player taxi declare this year, now you're accelerating and having to use that roster spot. Here's the other thing too the data points, right? If you have a fourth rounder this year and you have the opportunity to to turn, you know, to maybe trade a third rounder next year to, to this fourth rounder, that third rounder, again, you're resetting the clock with more information. Now, maybe in 2021, we don't have that much more information, but typically what happens is, you have more data. You have another season. You have a whole other bushel of players that didn't get drafted, but suddenly now they're worthwhile and they will be drafted this year. That's how it goes. And you will have traded a pick from having that more information next year to going into you know, less information technically because of where we stand today with that pick.
1: Yeah, and I also see owners, whether it's rookie drafts or devy drafts, that trade away all their rookie picks or trade away all their Debbie picks. And then next year, when it comes time for the rookie draft or the Debbie draft, then they're like, Hey, I wanna buy I'm in the market, I wanna buy a Debbie pick, or I wanna buy a rookie pick. You're always gonna spend more. Chasing. Yeah, you're always gonna spend more on the the Debbie pick or the rookie pick the next year than you would have If you hadn't, I mean, it. I guess it just depends on who you bought with it. But there are some people that get extremely sloppy, and they buy on credit. Yeah, exactly. 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 And and
0: yeah, and that. And the weird thing is, you know, some of these folks where they just assume it's like rookie drafts, where it's like, oh, if you want a fourth this year, pay a third next year. And it's like, well, I think I do a better job of drafting, so I'm not going to kick the can like that. I'm going to take my shot right here and right now. Because I, I feel like I have a good gauge and now I'm I'm actually pushing it out a year. So what if I were to get an incoming freshman or a now sophomore with this pick? And if I'm in the same situation, it literally costs me an entire year. um, And will I really have that much better of a bet? I I think if you're drafting well in Debbie, you should be drafting in general players that are worth more the following year and would, would be drafted higher if you were repeating that same draft than this year. Like that's sort of the, the gauge for being productive and being uh, profitable with your selections. It's, it's a lot of high leverage business with those Debbie picks. But if you don't think at 405, you can draft a player that would be 305 next year. I I think you need to kind of refine your process and, uh, and, and do some more study and more digging and more watching of tape and more diving into profiles because uh, to me, that's a relative baseline type outcome where you know we talk about taking bigger risks the deeper you go. What could happen in 12 months? And if you have such, you know, if, if you're just going to kick the can and, and take future future picks, it's going to take a long time for you to turn the fourth into a third, third into a second, third into a first, and then maybe at that point are you going to feel comfortable to make the pick and make the player for a player that rewind the clock now it's going to be six seven years removed from actually getting them.
1: Yeah. Uh, for example, I had in the third round of a rookie Devy free agent uh, veteran draft. In the third round, I was between two Devy players. And I ended up taking Marshawn Lloyd, running back out of South Carolina. Love the profile. Love, love his work that he's already put in. And I was torn between him and one other running back. Two rounds later, the final Devy pick, and I'm being offered – a uh, fourth round instead of 506 I'm being offered a fourth round for 2021 and the same exact scenario that you just mentioned I viewed the guy that I was going to get at 506 he slipped through people's crack the crack (laughs) he slipped through the cracks and It's the same guy I would have taken at 3.06, but I ended up getting him two rounds later, Tank Bixby out of Auburn. And I love the profile. I love the guy. And I don't think I'm going to get that good of a guy at the fourth round in a random fourth round next year. Who knows? Maybe I will and maybe I won't. But I know my own hit rate. I know my own scouting. And I have more faith that I'm going to stay and pick unless you want to give me... And this sounds bold, but give me a first round pick and I'll take it.
0: I know. I've said stuff like that before where it's like round five, round six, and it's like, oh, give me a second. They're like, that's crazy. It's like, well, that's what I think this player, you know, can progress into um, in the next 12 to 18 months. So why would I ask for less if I'm willing to make that pick right here?
1: Right. So um, I've had the same thing happen in a super flex draft where the guy that I was about to draft – was worth more to me than what I was being offered in trade. I knew my values and I stuck to it. I took the guy and then the guy, that's who I was going to take. Well, then why didn't you offer me more? Like, you know the guy's value and you let him slip through your hands. It's not my fault. Like, I'm not going to be a nice guy, quote unquote, and give you a a a steal just because you're offering me a trade. Like some people will make marginal trades and I don't Well, know.
0: honestly, to be fair, the people yeah. that I see sort of say, well, I made this trade, you know, I thought it was fair, but, you know, it's not a trade that they're like jumping for joy. And it's like, well, you affected your team with a transaction. Right. And th- I think those are the same people though, that if they get... Maybe tell me if I'm wrong katie because you're you're more of a social person than I am, but that to me is probably the dynasty trading uh, uh parallel to someone that in social situations is always saying yes, you know always saying hey can you can you do this you know do you want to go to this you know without really thinking it through and being kind of protective of well, what am I doing what's my schedule what are my goals um, and, and they're always I mean, I guess the term is people pleaser, but right. the, the, the person that's always, and this isn't a bad quality, but there are limitations that you kind of need to put on it of, of, of putting other people and these things that come out of the ether. And all of a sudden now it becomes the most important thing in your world when your world already had stuff going on before that moment. Uh, so it's people that kind of, you know, oh, we're working a trade, working a trade. It's okay if it doesn't go through it's okay if you negotiate, you know, you, you pass trade offers and, and messages back and forth and feedback, and it just doesn't happen. I had one today, we we probably have talked about a trade for a couple of days, you know, passing offers back, oh, seems like we're kind of close, but maybe not really, you know, and just, you know, you get stuck on certain assets from each team, and it's okay, it burns out like a fire, it doesn't happen, maybe you'll revisit it in a few weeks or a month or who knows, but but it, you don't have to have that end game of, hey, we made a deal, we spent all this work, sometimes a deal isn't there and I think uh you know Debbie uh, you know Do- Devy picks and that's where this started from can can be the same way
1: yeah and it it just it if, if you one thing I've always said about Debbie if you move back you always want to pick up an extra player or if you're trading in season and you're trading x player for x player just throw in a late
0: get that Devi, pick, baby get
1: that pick Start accruing picks. Start adding a to that bunch bank. of final round
0: picks. Yeah, you, you just you just did an interrogation room with uh, that uh, you guys Tim had like I, four, we did a draft three or four. Yeah, and I well yeah we had like four picks in the last round. And what is that from trading marginal guys or adding them on to bigger deals um, as you go along? And again, those turn all turn into Steph Curry picks. And all of a sudden, you put four uh, dart throws at big time upside together. And your odds to, to get one player that works out to a high degree. So I do I do want to shout that out. That two of the last uh, interrogation room shows, one I recorded on my own, one that that Katie was a part of. Both of them with Devi um, Devi uh, Concepts were uh, that's a uh, Devi. Uh, those are interrogation room eighty six and eighty, uh, 80 uh, six and eighty seven. Excuse me. So those have both been recently. You can find that on the UTH uh, Premium Podcast Bat Channel. It's on the the homepage as well. But those are the ones that um, we specifically you know get all geeky and and talk about Debbie Um, and and blending that with rookies and and blending that with concepts and a lot more, um, you know, secondary and tertiary level than, than we're talking about in this show, which is just sort of talking about a lot of the broad strokes and, and the appeal to it Um, to spin it towards the 2020 class, Katie, to kind of go to the end game and just kind of show some, Um, progression and to show some divergence from how things progress for a college player, looking at it from a Debbie perspective. Is there somebody that now that we are that with them joining the NFL ranks, you look at your 2020 sort of how you feel about prospects on your 2020 board and how you've been handling them in rookie drafts. Is there a player that you can think of, uh, you know, if it's in the top 25 or 30 or something that you say one, two, three years ago, I was completely different. Either you were high on them and now not so much. Maybe you were low on them and now you've warmed up to them to be kind of market neutral. Maybe you've drafted them a little bit in rookie drafts where you were nowhere near them, whether you didn't like them or weren't uh, monitoring them much at all in Devi.
1: So I remember when DeAndre Swift was a freshman, Cam Akers was the number one Debbie running back off the board. J.K. Dobbins wasn't heard of. He was probably, I don't know, in the second or third round of most Devy drafts, at that point in time, Jonathan Taylor was still building. He was probably close to J.K. Dobbins, somewhere around late first Devy. But I had DeAndre Swift pegged early on. He was my number one running back from that class. I turned, and you know, throughout the next couple of seasons with what Jonathan Taylor was putting up, I. I started to look at him more seriously. Dobbins finally got his shot. But the biggest thing, uh, the biggest wide receiver that I started to flip my mind towards, and part of this was because you didn't have him rank very high, and I started liking him regardless of that. And that's where different opinions can come into play. So I started liking C.D. Lamb the more I watched him in college. And we, you and I even had a draft where we had to choose... And you ended up winning between T. Higgins and C.D. And Lamb. And now C.D. Lamb goes earlier than T. Higgins probably. I mean, either way, I don't think that we lost. I think that T. Higgins has a good situation and I still like him a lot. And yeah, we will see. Right, we will see. I mean, a lot still has Was that has really one of those said. decisions? Was it? Yeah, it was. It was, was, was Higgins between, versus it Lamb. It was. Okay. It was. It was Lamb. I was on the Lamb side. You were on the Higgins yeah. side. And sounds right. Yeah, and and I was fine with Higgins, and I'm still fine with Higgins. But that's just how much things can change. And your biggest question mark about Lamb was his size and athleticism. At the time, he was, his BMI was really bad, but at the combine, he showed up pretty good and yeah, and came, yeah until you know all the information it's hard to really say so you know
0: it, that's the other that's the other thing about Debbie, just to throw in here for for 2 seconds is that you're dealing with less complete profiles than rookies you may not even have a good birthday i will say yeah. that you have to do sleuth work. Uh, you're going to have to do a lot more digging in terms of information. Uh, what is their size? Um, I've started doing some, some max speed tracking to get maybe a better gauge on what their, their 40 time could be, um, and, and putting parallels th- there. Um, but again, you're dealing with incomplete and still in progress profiles. If you consider through, uh, through the combine and then through the NFL draft, that is the complete profile. And even some of those players, you know, didn't have full workouts. So it's, a uh, peeking through keyholes as uh as uh Sigmund Bloom likes likes to say in terms of uh doing your evaluation and doing your your valuation um my player that I would mention I kind of highlighted a few um would be and this is partly because I'm skeptical of JUCO and uh sub sub subconference transfers in general um this is definitely a rookie that slipped through I would say almost every Devy pipeline you know up until this year you mentioned uh, Joe Burrow um, was one. Clyde edwards was another. But Brandon Ayuk was another one that um, he was producing at a lower level, ends up transferring, and ends up playing well um, with a, with also a, a Debbie quarterback that's on the, the spectrum there at, at Arizona State. So Brandon Ayuk comes up, and so it really was the whole part of the process. You get someone coming from a low, lower level, so are they going to produce at the D1 level, you know, and at a Power 5 level? Then you have the question of, you know just their background they're probably going to be on the older side that is a that is a that is a fair estimate and projection to say that someone the the less elite prospects the less elite recruits generally are older than the elite ones and where do they go? They go to pipeline programs generally. And then, you know, if you're part of the half-nots, you go elsewhere or you even go off the radar, you know, and, and start your career in that fashion. But Brandon Ayuk is one that, you know, again, and now I, I've, I've I've targeted him. I have a number of shares in that late first, early second round range because he goes first round. He was productive at the D1 level. He is um, athletic. Um, all these things, all these checkpoints he has, uh, you know, the pedigree of the NFL draft, um doing well throughout the whole process, um, as well as finishing his career again, productive at a higher level of play than he started his college career. All of those things. But you see how many check marks and question marks there were along the way. But now here he is, you know, as a as a top top 10, 15, 16 sort of range uh, rookie pick, you know, where you say he slipped through the cracks just like um, Burrow and edwards Zolaire.
1: Right, and so I just wanted to mention also, I talked about the running backs from that class, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, they were all regarded, like Cam Akers was number one in Devies in that year, DeAndre Swift was... And he was a high school quarterback for folks that may not know that. Right, so... Um, DeAndre Swift was anywhere from three to five, you know, the running back three to five from that class. Um, JK Dobbins was more a little bit of hindsight. Jonathan Taylor was right up there, but as far as wide receivers, and just to give the listeners a a gauge, Donovan Peoples-Jones was number one, Tyree Cleveland was number two, and... You know, it's so hard to peg wide receivers. It a lot depends on their college quarterback, their system, their scheme. Are they good route runners? Are they for real? Jerry Judy was high up there, too. Um, C.D. Lamb wasn't quite so much. I mean, he was kind of second-round type caliber, at least in, in Devy drafts early on. But Donovan Peoples-Jones was the number one Devy wide receiver and Tyree Cleveland, everybody was all about him because he was supposedly a four, three and uh, you know, big guy T Higgins was, was up there as well. Um, So a lot can change. Just there's so many variables and you just have to, you have to understand that you're not going to hit everybody. And you're not going to, hopefully, you're not going to not hit. If you're not hitting, you've got to rethink, you know, am I not, not watching enough film? Am I just taking somebody else's word f- for, you know, gospel, mm-hmm. uh, right? So there's a lot of different ways to approach Debbie. But the, the way that I look at it, it's so much fun to immerse yourself in college football and just have a blast. And if it's homerism, yep. if it's whatever, I mean – Do what you got to do, but don't discount picks. Don't trade future picks. Always try to get extra picks, especially in season when people aren't thinking about the value of a fourth or fifth round pick. You can get them thrown into deals like they're nothing. And then all of a sudden, you've got all this extra capital. And it doesn't sound like much, but as Chad and I have have, uh, elaborated on, some of my best picks have been fourth and fifth round picks. A couple of years ago, I had Jerry Judy as my final four point eleven in a in a Debbie draft. Just looking at the profile, and now he's top eight, depending on whether it's super flex or not.
0: Yep, that's a that's a great point uh, to end on. Again, I mean, there's so many. Um, pros and you're going to take your lumps just like going from redraft to dynasty you're going to learn a ton but honestly you don't learn until you're out there you don't learn until you start going through these drafts using devy picks or combined rookie devy picks as as capital and currency make the selections manage your own taxi squad maybe they spill over to your your active squad how do you handle that you learn an absolute ton um, but but most of the people i know when they they, they get into a league you know you talk to them uh, a year later and and a lot of the leagues that they're joining are Debbie leagues, you know, that that becomes something far more comfortable for more normal. And also the, the final pitches, it's going to make your uh, rookie drafting that much better in my opinion, because you're going to have such a yes. deeper working knowledge of, the of these player profiles, because a lot of people, you know, you, you see some of these quotes where some people, Oh, I don't even, I don't even think about my rookie drafts until after the NFL draft. Well, you got a lot of work to put in because these players played three to four years and you're gonna try to all, you're gonna try to put that into a hundred hours or a week before your rookie drafts. I mean, to me, you're putting a heck of a lot on, or maybe all of it, on the last you know the last two or three months you know before you're drafting them, as opposed to well, what were they like at 18, 19, 20, 21? Like you're going all the way through, you know, where now you have a, like your target players, you're going to be far more comfortable with their entire body of work and their progression, who they are as a person, because you've seen this throughout their entire college career. Um, Again, even if you're just doing a, a, you know, you watch a little bit of college football, but then every off season, you're doing a checkpoint of how do I feel about these players? Because now you can trade for them, trade them away. Uh, You're drafting a new subset of them. Uh, I do want to remind folks of some of the recent content. I mentioned um, a couple of those Devi shows. Um, Also, um, I'm doing a lot of uh, historical evaluative um, uh, podcasts. One is on Marquise Brown that just released today, for example. Um, So again, if you own him or thinking about trading for him, um, that is a a good deep dive for for 10 to 15 minutes in terms of Marquise Brown. Uh, I always think it's a pivotal point Um, You know, that first when you have a rookie, but then after year one, year two, um, it's always a good checkpoint of where do we stand now? This may be an opportunity to buy more shares. It may also be an opportunity where you can still get strong value in your leagues. Um, I I also looked at uh, one of my favorite Debbie profiles um, Brennan Eagles uh, with Texas Um, so again blending that in with some of the Debbie we talked about Darius Slayton Leonard Fournette um, Le'Veon Bell I looked at Baker Mayfield as well and uh, for those of you that are past some of your rookie drafts um, just had something come out talk about your dynasty waiver wire that is probably opening back up uh, after your rookie draft season Uh, a lot of people have those weekly waiver wire runs now until the regular season begins and uh, you're working not done it is never done as we say never settle um to improve your team and so give a lot of names a lot of ideas if you maybe have some of those churn roster spots available on the back end post rookie draft do want to remind folks about katie flower on twitter at ff underscore scholar 399 if you want to support this show beyond rating and reviewing it on your podcast platforms you can do so by supporting the UTH patron program that's patreon.com UTH Tim Torch and I record a featured weekly show and that's where a lot of my brainstorming sessions come out into podcast form you can get exclusive and bonus content that you can't get anywhere else and there's also a thriving UTH VIP chat where I am in it uh, we have tons of discussions 24-7 regarding drafting trading uh team strategy player value all that good stuff so look forward to getting back on the saddle next week with katie flower i am chad parsons until next time never settle refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties bobble them. <laughs> yeah it's like what a big bobble
1: yeah bobblehead chad